Vicki Tantillo with you, the host of Should Have Listened to My Mother, and we're just about to get in touch with our guest for this week. His name is Gordon Firemark. Before I go any further, if we have time after talking about his mom, which is what this podcast is about, um, hopefully he'll have some time to tell us the history of his last name, Firemark. It's kind of cool. Gordon is an entertainment lawyer, and he's actually given me some good advice for my podcast He hosts a number of different really cool podcasts and informational pieces if you have any questions about entertainment, theater, motion pictures, television, podcasting, that kind of thing. Um, One in particular is Asked and Answered, which are videos, and you can find them online. So you know what? Let's see. I'm a little early, but let's see if we can get a hold of them. What the heck? Again, this is Jackie Tantillo, and you're listening to Should Have Listened to My Mother. And here I go trying to do two things at once, dial and uh, talk. Are you who you are today because of or in spite of your mother? Let's see what Gordon Firemark has to say to us today. And he should be picking up in just a sec. He is expecting my call, which is great. Hi, is this Gordon? It is indeed. Hi. Hi, and welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother. This is Jackie. I was just telling my listeners a little bit about your really interesting background. Well, thank you, Jackie. It's nice to be here. I've already mentioned to my listeners your extensive background, including your Asked and Answered videos, and you also work with a co-host, Tamara, out of Dallas, on the Entertainment Law Update. So if we have time, maybe we can talk about that a little later as well. Sounds great. Thanks. I asked you here, we've never met or we've been interacting through email lately, but you were helpful to me. So I wanted to talk to you about your mom. What is your mother's name? Her name is Roz. Roz. And is she still with us? She is. Fantastic. You are in L.A., correct? Is that where you grew up? I grew up in the, yeah, the suburbs of Los Angeles. Okay, and I also mentioned your your last name, so if we also have time for that, you could maybe tell us the history back from 1666, how you, you believe that originated. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Roz. Can you tell me, do you have siblings? I do. I'm the oldest of three, uh, sisters two and five years younger. Okay, and are they local to you, to, sure. LA, to Cali? Uh, one of them is local. She lives here in L.A., and the other is in Portland, Oregon. Oregon. Oh, nice. Another nice, wonderful state. As a child, what was your mom's strengths and weaknesses as a human? Because <laughs> moms are human, that's for sure, even though they're not supposed Wait a minute, to be. Are you breaking my bubble there? <laughs> my mom is a very strong woman, but was always very nurturing, very uh, warm and compassionate and uh, uh, encouraging. She uh, had you know, strong roots in education and, uh, and uh, you know, taking care of people. And so that, you know, translated into the way she ran the family as well. And uh, just a terrific, terrific influence on, on us as, as we're growing up. As a male and having two younger sisters, do you think that you are more sensitive and or attuned to women and their strengths and possibilities? You know, I think I am. My mom was, was active in her chapter of the National Organization for Women and, and uh, you know, really a feminist, although 
not, uh, I wouldn't say too radical of a feminist, but definitely a feminist. And my my dad supported that. So the models that I had growing up were that women are equals and, and uh, uh, as good or better at things than men are. And um, I think if you, certainly if you ask me and the other men I know, they would say that about me, that I, that I do connect well and, and recognize that women. I think if you ask some of the women I know, they might disagree. <laughs> your friends growing up, your childhood friends, are you still in touch with them? The ones that knew your mom? Not too many of them. I mean, in touch, you know, nowadays with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and things, we all do see what everybody's up to. But uh, I wouldn't say I'm close with too many of my childhood friends. Uh, one notable exception, my best friend is, is uh, a fixture in my life. Gordon, can you give me a specific example of how you knew or how you felt that everything was okay or you felt comforted when you were with your mom? Wow, that's that's sort of a hard question. It, it was just sort of there. Um, you know, anytime I needed someone to comfort or reassure me, she was there. She was the one to go to. Dad was um, a... Uh, a more stoic kind of a personality, and so she was the, the loving, nurturing, um, uh, more emotive of the two parents, and uh, and and so that was you know she was the one we went to when we had stuff. Yeah, was she a hugger? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys hang around the? dining room table or the kitchen table when it came time to talk about stuff that was going on or were you comfortable talking to her about tough things you were going through growing up you know um when i was a young you know six seven eight year old i i had some trouble adjusting we had moved across the country into a new school you know new, new part of the country and, and new school new friends all that and i didn't adjust well and i didn't do well communicating and talking with my parents, and uh, um, you know, fortunately, they recognized what was going on and got me into some, some therapy at that age, and uh, I got better at it. Um, that being stoic and, and coming from a stoic lineage, my, my grandfather was the same. And my mom wasn't effusively emotive, you know, but she was there. She was there with the hug and the nurturing when you needed it, but uh, you know, she, she wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a cloying or, or overpowering thing, I guess you could say. But right. I think it was a pretty good balance. You had to figure it out on your own sometimes, too, these things. Sure. Yeah. Fostered a kind of independence. Did your mom have any fears? Oh, I'm, I'm, I know for a fact now that she doesn't. And I, I think as a kid, I probably picked up on it. She was, you know, a bit of a, of a protective type. <clears throat> I hesitate to say overprotective, but... As a kid, especially as a teenager, I certainly felt that it was overprotective. Now, as an adult with parents with kids of my own, I feel like it was about right. (laughs) (laughs) We're all in the same boat. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and I think that a lot of her protectiveness and a lot of the the guidance and and questions that were that you know she presented as we got older were motivated out of a fear and a you know, genuine parental concern for the well-being of the kids. But sometimes that gets to be um, oppressive or counterproductive. And, uh, you know, I was, I was leaning in the direction of, of a career in, uh, in the theater business. And I think her fears about my making a living and, and 
supporting myself played into it. And so um, it, it may be part of why I became a lawyer, because those fears weren't translated. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, often our parents influence us, right? But from going from production <laughs> to law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, one of my... I sort of joke about this, but I, I really do believe it's true in a sense that when, we, when I was uh, probably in grade school, I was not one to do my homework voluntarily. If there was a television to be watched, I would much rather have been sitting in front of that, uh, you know, having the, the stories and the entertainment wash over me. And so we had a household rule that there was no television at all uh, during the week, you know, on, the, on a school night, basically. So from... Uh, Sunday evening dinner time until Friday evening, there was no television on in the house, with the exception of we were allowed one 30-minute program that my three, my sisters and I had to agree upon. <laughs> so that must have been tough. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant though for back back then, right? Because we there's a program. Yeah. My sons, my boys are in college now, but when they were in elementary school, it was a it was a program called TV Turn Off, no TV during the week. So that's yeah. very progressive. My mom hated TV too, but we snuck yeah, it in. Seventies or so, and you know uh-huh. our program was usually Happy Days because I was family friendly and all that. But you know I went off to college, and what did I do? I majored in television production. <laughs> so uh, that'll show you, Mom. <laughs> oh my gosh! But I love that you went into law, entertainment law. How great yeah. to combine your your passions and your interests. Good for you. I think, you know, that was, it was prompted by a teacher in college who, who spotted some, I guess, affinity or, or aptitude for the legal stuff. But I think that it was, I, I took it on, you know, in a welcoming way because of those fears that I mentioned earlier about my, my parents uh, not expressing but telegraphing. Yeah. About, you know, how are you going to make a living doing this, kid? Yeah, I've had a couple of those <laughs> over the years when both my parents have passed. But yes, I can remember them. But you got to try, though. If you don't pursue your dreams at least a little bit, right, then you'll have regrets. And we don't want regrets in life. That's my I philosophy. Know, I've made a career for myself helping the same kind of people that I wanted to always be around. So I've gotten sort of the best of both worlds. Did your mom understand the three of you individually? I think so. I think so. You know, we, we, we kid around that I softened the beaches for the daughters to come in after me. And, uh, you know, look, we each had our own stuff and, and we each presented our own challenges. Um, uh, but, you know, I think she, she handled it very adeptly. And, and we all uh, took our cues from her without necessarily following the letter of what mom said every time. And I think you know, we made our own way. Did she work, or was she? She was primarily home, other than her no. national organization of women, which I think is fabulous. When I was in, I guess the last couple of years, well, I was probably in yeah, late grade school or, or middle school. She went back and finished a master's degree and became an audiologist and uh, and uh, worked for you know some number of years after that um, as an audiologist and also teaching at. Uh, that's pretty great. So how old was your mom when she went and got her master's? Um, I guess she would have been in her mid, early to mid-30s. Oh, very young. But still, yeah. she had children. That's impressive. 
yeah, you know, she had finished college, had her family, and, you know, by the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, she was ready to go back to school. She, uh, We had moved across the country away from her friends and family as well, and uh, I think she needed to find something that was, uh, you know, just hers to do. Does your mom feel accomplished with what she's achieved throughout her life? I think so, yes. No regrets? Well, we, I guess we always have regrets. But... If she has regrets, she hasn't shared them with me. <laughs> What's your relationship like now with your mom? It's strong. I mean, you know, we're, we're close. Uh, we, we live relatively close to each other, and we're able to, well, we up until this year, we've been able to visit quite a lot, and we, you know, spend Saturdays or Sundays, you know, swimming at her house and visiting with her and her, uh, her husband and um, I got that and um, are able to, uh, you know, give her the experience of the grandchildren. My, my sister and I uh, living here in L.A., it's nice. We're, it's a close family. That's great. That's important. It's hard this year, obviously, for, for all of us. Do you see your mom in you? I hear her expressions come out of me. Can you give me an example? Can you give me an example? Well, I, I, was, I was talking to one of my sons about applying himself in school. It really matters, and here's why. And I rattled off the list, and as I was saying the list, I, I sort of heard my mother's voice echoing in my mind. You know, those kinds of things. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of people experience that, one of their parents speaking through them in a sense. And, Did you uh, chuckle when you were, when you were <laughs> realized you sounded uh, like yeah, your mother? Yeah, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And what gifts did your mom give you? What gifts did she give me? Uh, I think a thirst for knowledge, inquisitiveness, um, the gift of compassion, and, uh, and gratitude. She was always good at expressing you know, thanks and appreciation for the good things that we had. And um, also kind of perseverance. Those always, that's especially perseverance, that always comes in handy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, how can you remember how she would, would it be in, in speaking her words or her actions that she would show these emotions or influence you? Uh, you know, she, I mean, she never withheld the words, but I would say it's the actions and, and just, you know, just the act of making a, a household that felt warm and comfortable. And I mean, there were aspects of it that uh, were, I aside from the parts of the house we weren't allowed to go into because it was a little museum-like and things, you know, breakables and, and, uh, uh, and you know, she's always been into art and those kinds of things, but those were around. And so we kids were, were barred from certain areas of the house. But, uh, you know, it, it was always a, a, just a comfortable place to, to live. We, we had a, not just a roof, but a very nice roof over our head. And, and um, um, she, made, she made the house a home, really. And so that's when I talk, when I think about her influence and the way she made us feel loved and, and nurtured and cherished. That, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's, when you, if you can recall that, right, that's all you really need.
And and especially being a parent, you're like, oh, well, gosh, I hope <laughs> I hope I'm doing at least that for my kids, <laughs> making them understand no, that home is is the best place, you know, and it's safe. You do have to go yeah, out into the world. I kid around. Uh, we, we kid around about the, the dysfunction in our family, because every family has a dysfunction, oh, yes. is how functional we were. <laughs> we didn't really have a lot of strife and arguments and, and fighting and, you know, grudges and things like that. It was a very even healed kind of a, of a life. And I think that's a lot of mom's calming influence and dad's stoicism came together. You know, there was just nothing would rock the boat, particularly. Oh, there's so, so much comfort in that, just hearing that, especially for a kid. Earlier, you mentioned a room filled with breakables and collectibles. Was your mom an artist herself? Did she collect, or is she just an art lover? Uh, I think a lover of art. Uh, that's a great question. I don't think she's ever been one to, at least not that I ever saw, to make a lot of art. Um, something I'm going to have to have a chat with her about. It's funny, because my, my dad wasn't a particularly artistic guy. He, you know, he, he was a physician, uh, but also had been a musician at one time. But my stepfather, also a physician by training, is a sculptor and has a real, a real extensive passion for art. And, and they both, you know, volunteer at the museums and those kinds of things. So I think I think art lover is a better way to characterize it. And, and she did instill an appreciation for the art in us as kids. I'm Jackie Tantillo. You're listening to Should Have Listened to My Mother, and my guest is Gordon Firemark who's an entertainment lawyer. Is that okay to say it that way? That's the way to say it. And Gordon is sharing stories with us about his mother, Roz. It's actually short for Rosalind with an S, but she goes by R-O-Z. R-O-Z. So, Gordon, are you who you are today because of or in spite of your mother? Jackie, I think I have to say sort of both, really. Um, For the most part, because of. Because of that nurturing and and the encouragement and the you know, the, the dedication to education and, and pushing us in those directions. Uh, I think my sisters and I would all agree that that part of us uh, that has gone on and, you know, we've all achieved high advanced learning and, and higher education. Uh, to that extent, it's because of mom. Um, but uh, I think the particular career path I've chosen and the industry I've chosen is just a little bit of an extent to, in spite of her, maybe even to spite her. <laughs> <laughs> to choose the entertainment industry, which I think she was always very <laughs> nervous and anxious about how does anybody make a living doing that, right. which is interesting for an art lover, actually. So that's an interesting insight. Thank so you. now you're going to have to have that conversation with her about the art. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. See what she yeah. says. Was your mom the kind of person, like on Halloween, would she get dressed up in a costume and go out, ha- hang out with her friends? Your parents, no. were they social? They were social, um, you know, again, with the circle of doctors and the doctor's wives in the community at the time, uh, and, you know, with whom she's still very close, I think. Um, uh, but, no, she wasn't one to dress up for Halloween or, or really any of those. You know, she did, there wasn't a lot of whimsy in, in there. That in I Ross? Thought, you know, <laughs> but, but um, um, yeah, she, she, she kept it. I think she enjoyed the, the moments, but didn't necessarily feel a need to make the moments happen. Was her mother an influence in her life? Yes. I think my mother's relationship with her mom is, I think 
she would answer the question that she became the woman she is in spite of her mother. Ah, interesting. Um, yeah, her, her mom was, um, uh, I think, a, a, a troubled soul, and, and, a, and a, uh, she lived with a lot of pain and, and uh, discomfort, had a lot of very severe arthritis and things like that. And so she wasn't the most pleasant person to be around. Was she in your life, your maternal grandmother? Um, yeah, I remember my, my grandmother. Um, you know, she, I think she passed when I was about 14 or 15. So I, I remember her from my early years. And, and she was, you know, warm and loving in, in her way, but uh, she was also scary. She was in a wheelchair in her, and she had the arthritis and curled in fingers and the knuckles. And it was, you know, a little bit like uh, what your imagination makes the witch and Hansel and Gretel look like, you know, those kinds of things. But, Sort of a hard person to connect with for little kids. Yeah. And, um, and then mom talking about it, you know how difficult her mom was sometimes also made it hard for us to, to connect to her. So does she? You said she did in spite of her, this was your mom and her relationship with her mother. In spite of her mother, your maternal grandmother, she did what she chose. Her career choices and things like that. Did she ever have the conversation with you, or would you? ever want to have a conversation about that like so did you raise us specifically different than you were raised mom i haven't had that conversation and i think i now will (laughs) (laughs) you know i wish my parents were here because we our family is very very close i'm the youngest of seven kids and we're very very close so if there's one of the many things that my parents got right we had a very fortunate um, upbringing and childhood, and um, and I mean, even though they're both gone, I still talk to them every day. But there are so many things that I would just love to sit down and talk to them about all yeah. over again. It'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to your ten-year-old self today? Oh boy, what would I say to my ten-year-old self? I think I would say what I said to my 10-year-old the other day about, you know, always apply yourself and do your best. It doesn't matter if your best is the best anyone can do. As long as you have given it your all, that is something you can be proud of, whether it's successful or not. The experience of working at it is the reward that you get. That's important. They have to understand, I think, that it's okay to make mistakes, right? Mistakes are good because you learn from them either way. Yeah, it's challenging, and and the world is changing so much, and you try and keep up with all the the important things to instill in your children. So Mm -hmm. keep going, Dad. You're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) So Gordon Firemark, let us together share the important emails or your website, gfiremark at firemark dot com. Is that? Yeah, that's the email address, and um, you know the best way to find me is through my uh, my website at gordonfiremark.com, and that's sort of a, a central hub for a bunch of the other things that I do. I've got a YouTube channel. You can search for the name Firemark, and you'll find me. Uh, I've got the, the fortunate situation of having that very unique last name. Uh, I think I, I can you know show a, one or two degrees of separation with every single person on the planet who has that name. <laughs> 
So tell us, and it's spelled F as in Frank, I-R-E, and then M-A-R-K, Firemark. Yeah. So tell us, if you can, uh, the lineage well, of how the, your last name came about. Well, you know, the last name is something that um, really is new. I, you know, I don't know exactly what year, but late 1800s, 1890s, early 1900s, um, my great-great-grandfather immigrated from the old country. I refer to him as Great-Grandpa Tevya. You know, who, who came in from Anatevka. And he uh, <clears throat> came in, and the immigration centers were so jammed with people that the story goes that if they couldn't pronounce your name on the second or third try, they just gave you a new one. And so the suspicion is that it's either phonetically close to what, it, what the real name was, or that it is somehow a literal translation. So you might have been a lamplighter or a, or a, a fire, you know, someone worked in a fire career of some sort, and um, um, and he died fairly young, having left one son who, you know, left one son and so on. So um, we don't really know much about what went on before that immigration, but what we do know is that the word fire mark uh, was, was used to, uh, to describe a bronze plaque that would be placed on a home uh, by the insurance company that would insure against fire. And in the, in the old days, the fire departments were actually owned and run by the insurance companies. So if you had a fire at your house and you didn't have the plaque, they just let it burn down. So that was the fire mark with these bronze plaques. And there's many of them out there as collectibles nowadays. This is from the, probably the uh, 17th and 18th century. Can you imagine like that today? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. We've evolved a little bit, at least, anyway, since then. like to think so, yes. Yeah. Gordon Firemark, thank you for joining me on Should Have Listened to My Mother. It's been a real pleasure, Jackie. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to contact me, you can always email me at Jackie at com or find me on Facebook and Instagram. And please share and subscribe. We'll see you next week on Should Have Listened to My Mother. I'm Jackie Tantillo.